So when we think about healing, I've got to start with this question. How many of you have been sick recently? Anybody had a cold or flu the last month or so? Anybody want to claim it? Just say, yep, that was me. All right, we're glad you're feeling better that you're here this morning. Um, but yeah, there, we, we, we don't like being sick. In fact, I brought some, some items this morning of what we bring into our houses to try to fight sickness, right? So I've got, we've got like ice packs and heat pads and we have humidifiers, which I don't know that we need these in Kansas, but we have them uh, to add humidity to the air. I feel like it's pretty humid already, but we use the humidifiers. We've got medicine in pill form and liquid form, mist form. I've got medicine in salve form. This is, um, this is salve in a little red tin. This was my family when I was growing up, my family of origin. This was the medicine that my mom would pull out for anything and everything. Whenever you got an injury, if it was a cut, a bruise, a blister, a sunburn, BO, whatever it was, uh, the red salve came out. We called it red salve because it was in the red tin. And my, my younger sister, about five years ago, found this on uh, Amazon, and she about flipped her lid. She's like, the red salve, and she ordered it for all of us and sent it to us in the mail. And uh, this is what my mom would go to whenever we were not feeling well or sick or had an injury. She'd pull out the red salve. Uh, you know, we don't like being sick. We don't like injuries. Um, but there was a, a time in my life when I, I tried to get sick, when I wanted to be sick. You guys remember this? Because if you were sick, it meant you didn't have to go to school that day. You guys remember that? It wasn't every day, but there were occasions when I would sick, and, and my brother and I would work together, conspire together. There were times, I don't want to say this out loud, but there were times when we would lie to my mom about how we were feeling. We'd take the thermometer and put it under the lamp, you know, try to get it a little bit hotter. When we got really extreme, I remember one time we were really extreme. We said, we don't want to have to fool mom. We don't want to lie or trick the thermometer. So we, we're going to get real sick. So at midnight in New Jersey, in January, we went out in the front yard in the snow with just our pajama bottoms on. And we laid in the snow for like 15 minutes, trying to get sick, hoping that the next morning we'd be sick and be able to stay home from school. My parents had no idea. So the next morning, I was sick. My older brother, Steve, was not sick. So off Steve went to school, and you know, bye Steve, and I got to stay home and have uh, seven up and saltines and reruns of Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch, you know, just the dream day that we all want when you're, when you're a kid. So that was probably one of the few times in my life I wanted to be sick. Most, usually, we don't want to be sick. We don't like the way it feels. We don't like feeling, being injured. We want to be healthy. So we take medicine. We, we drink water infused with vitamins. We, get, we go to bed early so that we're not sick. Our world is filled with things that can help us when we have aches and headaches and backaches and thinning hair and allergies and sleeping problems and eating problems and walking problems. And there's just things offered to us every day that can help us feel better. We don't want to be sick. We don't want our bodies to feel broken. And our physical realities are just, just one area where we need healing. We've been talking this month about mental illness and mental health, and we, we long for healing in our hearts and in our relationships and in our soul. We, we feel that, that need for healing, that brokenness that is there. Real healing should bring wholeness to our full integrated selves, right? Our physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, mental, all of that is what we long for healing in. And that's the kind of healing that Jesus came to bring us, full wholeness and healing in our lives. About 700 years before Jesus walked the earth and revealed the kingdom of heaven, the prophet of Isaiah wrote words about the Holy One that would come. We see this in Isaiah 53. But it was for our sins that he, the Holy One, was wounded. It was for our evil doings he was crushed. He took the punishment by which we have peace. 
And by his, and he's talking about Jesus here. So by Jesus's wounds, we are made well. We are healed because of his wounds. And James, Jesus's brother, would later write in his letter to the church, he'd say this, believing prayer will heal you. And Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven inside and out. That's the kind of healing that we're looking for, inside and out, outside in our physical realities and inside in our spirits and in our emotions. This is the kind of healing that God brings to us. It's beyond just that external curb appeal. God comes to the inside and starts to do some remodeling inside of the home and begins to change things up and bring healing and hope because there is damage inside of us, right? There is damage in us. This is partly why Jesus, when he would heal people, sometimes he would say, your sins are forgiven, and other times he would say, get up and walk. He, he talked about the inside and the outside. Sometimes he'd focus on that inside, the sin, the rebellion, the brokenness. Then he would talk about the outside, the paralysis, the disease, the blindness, whatever it was. He, he says, I'm, I'm going to heal the whole person. If you're wondering if Jesus wants, can, can heal you today, just know that he wants to and he will. Jesus wants to heal you, and he will. Where do you need God to heal you right now? Where are you sick or injured or unwell? And and we can stay focused on the things we've talked about over the last three or four Sundays. Maybe you need healing in your personal view of yourself, your your self-identity, how you see yourself. Some of us build our identities on some pretty shaky ground. My experiences, my thoughts, my wisdom, what I want to have true about me. And we build this sort of teetering, Uh, house, our identity on that foundation. And God says, let me inform who you are. I created you. I know you. I've spoken words about you. Build your identity on me, God says, and it will be much more stable. We want healing in our minds, the realities around us that cause us to be anxious and worried, that cause us to shut down and hide out. And God says, let me walk with you in the midst of that storm. I'll stick by your side. I'll walk with you through it. We have to sometimes wait in the midst of that storm knowing that God is by our side, but he will carry that with us. Are you needing healing in your relationships? Do you cling to people or do you avoid people? We talked about how we are created for community. We are made for relationship with others. And we can approach that in healthy ways and sometimes in unhealthy ways. We all have a bit of a relational limp that we walk around with. So we say, God, would you heal my relationship, my relationships? Are you needing healing in your spirits? Is there's this, this heaviness, this depression we talked about last week where your heart is stuck in the questions and in the fog. And God says in his love and his perf- perfect acceptance, he says, let me, let me be with you. Let me bring light to the darkness of the cave that you find yourself in. We're seeking healing in our mental realities. And when we do, Jesus responds and he moves. If you're wondering if Jesus will heal you, just know that he wants to and he will. A big part of what Jesus did when he was on that big 30-year cosmic exchange program when he came to earth, one of the things he did was heal people. We read about it over and over again in the Gospels. Matthew 4, we read these words. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. He brought wholeness to them. Jesus did basically two things when he was on earth. He traveled around proclaiming the kingdom of God, using words to talk about it, and then revealing the kingdom of God 
through doing amazing things, physical healing and miraculous things that he did to reveal God's kingdom. And there was a variety of the things that he healed, disease, pain, seizures, paralysis, physical limitations like blindness and deafness. And Jesus freed people from the influence of demons and evil spirits. And I want to just say a quick word about demons and demon possession, what the Bible has to say about it, how it intersects with mental health, because this, this time of year, especially this month in October with Halloween coming, we know we're going to see TV shows and see movies about possession and exorcism. I've already seen one preview of a movie coming out at the end of this month. It's all about exorcism. And it's actually the one kind of movie I've always told my kids, I don't want you watching this. I mean, there's lots of guidelines we've given, but as they've gotten older, I can't really choose what they watch anymore. They get to watch whatever. And I've always continued to say to them, don't watch those movies with, with the occult, with evil, with demons. I said, you know, being entertained by someone's spiritual suffering just doesn't sit well with me. But uh, we know that it's out, there's a fascination about this idea of possession and exorcism. When it comes to mental health and the oppression of demons, it's, noted, it's important to notice that Jesus came to free people. That's what he did. He freed people. He set them free from, from illness. He set them free from sin, our, our own human wiring that says, you know what, I got a better way. I can do this better than you can, God. And we, we push away from him. Jesus came to free us from that slavery. And he also came to free us from the evil lies and abuses of Satan and, and, and the demons that operate in a spiritual realm around us that we cannot see, but is definitely in operation in our world. Jesus came to bring light and life to those who are fascinated by and influenced by and even captured by the darkness and death of the evil one. There's 26 stories in the Gospels of Jesus' healing, 26 different stories about his healing work. Six of them have to do with the oppression of demons or of Satan in the, in the life of a person. Jesus, uh, we read about them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We, in John, there's no stories about those oppressed by demons in John. In fact, the only time demons show up in the Gospel of John is when someone's saying that Jesus had a demon, that he was, what he was doing was by the power of Satan, and, and it just shows how mixed up people were in that time about how the demonic shows up and how mixed up we can be. But Jesus is not mixed up. He's not confused. He was able to tell if someone was hurt from an emotional or physical ailment or disability or injury. He could decipher if someone was encountering and suffering from the influence of, of evil, the oppression of evil. And, and we don't always have that ability, but, but Jesus had that ability. He could see it. And so in Matthew 4, it says that there were seizures and there was paralysis, and then there were those affected by evil spirits. So even, Jesus, even the scriptures kind of delineate that out. There's a physical kind of epilepsy that causes seizures, and then there's a spiritual demonic oppression that causes seizures. And Jesus could see when it was a physical thing that he could address or a spiritual thing that he needed to address. In, the, in, in those six stories of demonic oppression, there's only two that really start to sound like something around... Um, a severe psychological or psychiatric disorder. Those who are suffering from the demonic oppression are, are cutting themselves or acting in erratic ways or speaking in strange and, and strange and angry ways and they're isolated socially from others. And then they encounter Jesus and the evil in that person's life even acknowledges who Jesus is. Even before Jesus says a word, they're like, what do you want with us, son of God? They're, they already know what's coming. They can see who Christ is. And Jesus doesn't discuss options with these evil spirits. He doesn't play around with them. He doesn't even ask if the person who's being affected has the faith to be healed. He simply says to the demon, get out, go, leave. And they, and they leave. One demon even asks his permission to go. Is it okay if I leave? It, it shows us that Jesus has authority over the spiritual realm, that he has authority over the demonic. 
That it's not a, there's not a question about who's going to kind of come out in this push back and forth. There's no push. Jesus speaks and they leave. The main point for me is that the influence of demons in Jesus' earthly ministry was a minor part of what he did. Not a major part. It was a minor part. The influence of the demonic in the world at that time. He mostly, he, he freed people from disease and death. Those temp- typical f- physical issues that we face. He listened to those struggling with hardship and unanswered questions, and and he felt emotions with those who were in pain and sadness. Jesus didn't find a demon behind every struggle, every issue that people struggled with in human existence, but on the rare occasion when it came up, Jesus spoke, and they left. The demons were cast away. When you decide to follow Jesus and receive the new life he offers you, to receive the forgiveness he offers you. The Bible tells us that the spirit of God fills us, takes up residence in us as followers of Jesus. And there's simply no room for a demon in that space. We are filled with the holy, the one spirit of God. Those who are pursuing life with Jesus will not be possessed by evil spirits. We, we might be influenced. Scripture talks about there's times when there's a foothold, but that's, that's the most it's gonna be. Jesus has authority over all creation, the physical and the spiritual. We place our trust in him, and he watches over us like a good shepherd. And those predators that the shepherd would protect the sheep from, that's what Jesus does. He protects us. So if this is a concern for you, if you think about your family you grew up in, or you see occult influences in your life, and you're like, you know, I need to talk about that. Please come and talk with me or talk to one of the other staff people about it. We will pray with you. We will work with you. We will go to scripture together and seek what Jesus wants to do in your life. There's 24 other stories of Jesus' healing that are kind of beyond this occultic kind of oppression, spirit of demonic oppression in the lives of his people. And we see him bringing wholeness and restoration and even resurrection to those in his community. And we find the healing ministry of Jesus captured in art throughout the, the centuries, just picture after picture of how Jesus brought healing to different people's lives, the different unique ways that he brought healing. It's just fascinating to look at all the different ways he healed people. He spoke to some who were needed healing and they were healed. Some he touched, others he, he didn't touch. He healed close up. Sometimes he healed from a distance. One time he healed someone 17 miles away. You know, he just kind of, it could happen, he said. He asked, uh, sometimes people asked to be healed. Other times people would ask for a friend if they could be healed. Sometimes people didn't even ask. They just tried to get close enough to grab his coat, his cloak, and they knew they would be healed. Those who were blind, he had a variety of ways of healing them. Some he touched their eyes. Others he just spoke to them. One guy, he spit in his eye. That would be unique, right? To have Jesus spit in your eye. He, he made um, a mud pie once and put another guy's face in the mud pie to bring healing to his blindness. There's just a variety of ways that Jesus brought healing into other people's lives. This, it reminds me that, that the saving work of Jesus, the healing work of Jesus, that it doesn't have a template There's no mass production when it comes to Jesus' healing work. There's not an assembly line that's cookie cutter all the way down. When it comes to how Jesus brings healing into our lives, it's unique. It's different. It it brings what we need in our own emotional lives and our mental lives. He sees each one of us individually and approaches us with our our stories, our baggage, our, our real lives. 
and he brings healing to us. So the healing that you're seeking is maybe gonna look somewhat different from the way healing comes into my life. The healing that comes into my life might look different than the way it comes into your life. We, we share experiences. We, we go through similar experiences. I mean, if you're here this morning and you're facing depression and loneliness, there's others here facing that as well. If you're scarred by abuse and by trauma, there, there are others scarred by that here as well. If, you've, if you're facing that sharp pain of divorce and rejection, guess what? There's people in this room that have faced that as well. We share these experiences, but Jesus might bring healing to us in different ways. He might bring, walk with us through that in different ways. That's why we don't need to judge someone else's journey with God, their, their healing journey, the time it might take, the, the way it comes to them. We don't need to stand at a distance and throw therapeutic hand grenades, you know? And say, why is it they're struggling with that in that way? I mean, my friend did this and it got better. Why, why isn't it got, not getting better for them? They just need to do this or that. We want to kind of give them the cookie cutter. But Jesus says, I, I have my healing for you. And it's going to look different for each person. But if you're wondering if Jesus will heal you, just know he wants to and he will. He wants to and he will. As we look at the stories of his healing, I want to look at a few this morning and, and just Look for some of the themes. They're very different, but let's look at some of the themes, some of the repeated things that we see in these healing stories. So we're going to start in Matthew 8. If you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to Matthew 8, verse 1, and we're going to look at Matthew 8, and we're going to flip over to Matthew 9, and just look at a couple of these healing stories. Matthew 8's right after the Sermon on the Mount. For three chapters, Jesus has been teaching on the hillside, talking about the way of God and this new life that he's come to bring to people. And right at the end of chapter 7, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus spoke with authority. So he's going to move from speaking with authority to showing his authority over the physical world through healing. And so chapter 8, verse 1 Let's start reading. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, Jesus said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. If you're willing, he says, this wasn't a question of ability. He knew Jesus could do it. It was a question of desire. It was a question of the want to. Will, do you want to heal me, Jesus? I know you can. Do you want to? And Jesus says, I, I want to. I want to. If you're wondering if Jesus will heal you, just know he wants to and he will. Let's go to chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to look at another story of healing here. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 3, At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming, because only God can forgive sins. They believed that. They knew that. They're saying, Jesus th thinks he's God. He's saying he's God, and they got upset about it. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to human beings. 
Jesus is interested in healing our whole selves, body, soul, spirit. Forgiving our sins and healing our physical bodies are connected in our human experience. We suffer physically because we suffer spiritually. We suffer physically because we suffer spiritually. Sin marks our connection with God and it marks the systems of our bodies. So Jesus says, your sins are forgiven or he says, get up and walk. Is either one of those not supernatural and beyond our human ability to say those words and to see it happen? And people were amazed at his authority, that he could do this. Let's jump down to one more story. Chapter 9 here, verse 18. So just go down a few paragraphs. Matthew 9, verse 18. I'm just going to read this one last story here. While Jesus was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Verse 23, when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. This girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. And news of this spread through all the region. I bet it did. I bet it spread through all the region. This one, we got a double feature in this passage. Jesus healing two different people in one little section. He's on his way to heal this daughter and a woman kind of pulls out a, a healing sneak attack, you know, kind of comes around the side. If I can just grab his cloak, I'll be healed. And, and the Luke, when Luke tells this story, he says that Jesus felt the healing power go out of him, you know, and he's like, hey, something's happening. Who, who touched me? Some of you have felt the healing power of God coming into you and bringing healing. Jesus felt it going out. We've talked about all the unique ways that he brings healing. So out of these stories, what are the similarities we see? What are the themes, the patterns that we see? Four healing stories. What's repeated? Well, one thing I noticed, I don't know what you noticed, but one of the things I noticed is that Jesus saw the person who needed the healing. He noticed them. He responded to their request. He's moved by their suffering. He sees them, and he, he sees us too. There's this dignity in, the, in this truth that God pays attention to us, those who are made in his image. God with skin on, God with physical eyes, turns his gaze toward, he, he pays attention to, he is fully engaged in intent with the person. Jesus wasn't distracted or hurried. He didn't roll his eyes or hide his eyes. He didn't fixate, but he saw with compassion the person who needed healing. And, and if we want to be like Jesus, as those following Jesus, we need to grow in our ability to see people, to, to use our eyes to notice people. Instead of looking over them or looking down on them or looking away from them, that we would pay attention and notice them. Is there someone in your life that you've decided to look away from? Is there a group of people that don't share your point of view or don't share your faith or don't see life the way you do or don't vote the way you do and you've decided, I'm, I'm just going to look away. I'm not going to look at them. You know, we've gotten really good at picking sides, haven't we? Writing people off. But Jesus, he saw all people. He saw his fellow Jews. He saw Samaritans. He saw Greeks. He saw Roman power brokers. He saw tax collectors and prostitutes, those that other people were, were looking over. Jesus saw them. God might in, be inviting you to start seeing someone again that you've stopped seeing. 
because your voice, what you have to say, might be just what's needed to bring healing into their life. Jesus saw people. That's one of the first things I notice. Second, I noticed Jesus touched people when he healed them, most, most of the time. Three of the four stories here, he touched the person to bring healing into their life. The one that catches me really, uh, the first one, Matthew 8, really catches me when the, the person with leprosy, the person with the skin disease says, if you're willing, you can heal me. Would you heal me? And Jesus says, I'm, I'm willing. Why wouldn't I be willing? And to kind of go back into their context a little bit, we've got to remember, what was it like to have a skin disease back in Jesus' culture? What was it like to have leprosy? In Jesus' day, we trace it all the way back to the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, where there's chapter after chapter written about what do you do when someone has a, an infection, a rash, a boil, a pimple, when, when your Aunt Rebecca comes into your tent and says, Nate, I don't like the look of that freckle. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to go see the priest, the Old Testament says. And the priest is going to examine you and check out this, this issue on your skin. And if it, has, if it has a certain look to it, if it's a certain color, if there's a certain kind of colored hair growing out of it, you're, you're going to get, it's time to pack up. You've got to pack up your bag, get your bedroll, and you're heading out of town for seven days. You're isolated. We don't want what you got caught around by other people. So you've you got to head out of town. After seven days, you'd come back and get a checkup, and the priest would say, all right, things are looking better. Come on home. Or he'd say, nope, that hair. <laughs> Still got the wrong color hair. You know, get, get out of town. In another seven days, you'd be out of town. And it could get to the place where this is your new reality. Like it's never getting better. You're, you're, you're walking with leprosy. You're walking with some kind of disease, and now you're isolated and out of the town and not re- you're not welcome to return. Leviticus 13 at the end, it sort of sums it up. Kind of the end of the law here. So, suppose someone has a skin disease that makes him unclean. Then he must wear torn clothes. He must let his hair hang loose. He must cover the lower part of his face. And he must cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the disease, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So can you imagine this man with leprosy? This is his life. This is his reality. Isolated, alone, kicked out. And he sees Jesus, and he knows Jesus can heal. He's heard the stories. He maybe has seen it from a distance. And he says, Jesus, would you heal me? I know you can, but would you choose to? And Jesus reaches out and touches him. Before he heals him, he touches him. says, I'm willing. And I can imagine his disciples are going, <gasps> Wrong order, wrong order, Jesus. Heal first, then touch, not the other way around. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to touch and I'm going to bring healing and wholeness to this person. Jesus says, I'm willing. He's revealing this new way. The, the, The law of Moses said, isolate, send them away, don't touch. But the law of love, the law that Jesus came to bring, tells us that this new way of God, that the love of Jesus is more contagious than the disease is. That the way of Jesus has power over the infection. There's no fear of contamination. There's the isolation of the diagnosis doesn't touch Jesus. There's no judgment of the brokenness. Jesus reaches out and touches him. And this man in his shame and in his disconnectedness with that label, unclean, says, are you, are you willing to do that? Would you do that? And Jesus says, I'm willing. I will. I want to and I will. There is no brokenness in your life. There is no anger, there is no addiction, there is no fear, there is no pain, there is nothing you can say, there's nothing you can think, there's nothing you can do that would cause Jesus to hold back and say, I I can't go near that ugliness because Jesus enters in. He is stronger than the contagion. He is 
has more grace than the darkness you find yourself in. Jesus wants to bring that healing into your life, and he will, and he will. Sometimes what gets in the way is our own pride, our own inability to ask. We have a hard time thinking of new ways, of entering into life in new ways, of saying, God, I need your help. I need you to bring healing. I need your forgiveness. Our indecision about what we really want, the challenge of waiting sometimes can get in the way. We want the healing, but we feel like we're just waiting so long. And we know sometimes we're going to have to wait for that healing to come. It might even be, it's not coming until heaven. I think about Paul. The New Testament writes about the things, the vision that he struggled with, this vision problem he had, the thorn in his side. You know, and, and God said, I'm gonna, you're not going to get that till you come to heaven. Timothy, his protege that struggled with illness over and over again. Sometimes we have to wait, but that healing will come. There's one more thing I notice in these stories, and that's when the healing came, people responded with amazement with wonder, with worship. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. The authority of Jesus over life and death, over the physical reality, it just shocked them. They couldn't believe this was happening. And they said, what is this? How is this happening? And they wondered at who Jesus was because of his authority over the physical realm. Next Sunday, we're going to start four weeks on the kingdom of God. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And it starts by, if there's a kingdom, it means there's a king. There's one in authority. We're going to talk next week about this authority that Jesus has and the authority he entrusts to us as we walk through life. But people watched this happen and they were, they, they were just in awe of his power and what he could do. They began to realize, they began to follow him, they began to believe, just like we do, that he can heal us, he can do things in our lives. No matter how dark the night is, no matter how frantic the calendar is, no matter how strained the relationship, no matter how broken the body, we believe that there is light, there is peace, there is hope, there is forgiveness, there is forgiveness, there is life, there is community, that we can be healed because of Christ, because of what Jesus did. And that's the healing that we need. So let's go to him and ask for his healing. We're going to finish up our service together, and I'm just going to invite you to stand, and we're going to pray together this morning. While you're standing, I also want to invite our, our prayer team, our volunteer prayer team to come up. Every Sunday, we have volunteers right up front here to pray with you uh, and encourage you, and especially this morning, talking about healing. Maybe you're thinking of an area in your life where you need healing. Maybe you're thinking of a friend or a family member who needs healing. Just come up and let us pray with you about that and encourage you, remind you that you're not alone and that Jesus hears. So if those prayer volunteers could be up front here, if you guys want to come up, that would be great. And uh, let's talk to God together as we finish up. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you are here right now with us. And Jesus, thank you for the ways that you healed while you were on earth and the fact that you want to bring that healing into our lives today. We just lift our brokenness to you. We lift our limp, our pain, our sorrow, the physical things, Lord, that are setting us back, but also the emotional, the relational, the mental, the things that, that we need your healing in, Lord, and we invite you to bring healing to us. We surrender our lives to you. We open our hands to you. And we ask and we, we say we need from you this healing, Father God. Spirit, would you fill us right now for those that are crying out to you in their spirits, Asking for that healing. Spirit of God, would you bring the healing that only you can bring? Allow us to support one another through the hardships of this life. 
And let us celebrate with each other when that healing comes. Let us share those stories and celebrate your goodness. And we pray all of this because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So may you, as you go, know that you are healed by God. That he is with you and he has called you to bring his light to dark places in your neighborhood, at work, at school, no matter where you find yourself. You are the ones bringing the healing with you. So go and heal your community. And we'll see you next Sunday. Amen.